Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen, wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'inan ma ba'd. Fa'audhu billahi minash shaytani rajim, bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Wa man yuti'illaha wa rasoola fa'ulaika ma'al ladhina annamallahu alihim minan nabiyyina wa siddiqina wa shuhadai wa salihin. Wa hasuna ulaika rafiqa, sadaqallahun alayin azim. My dear respected, most honorable elders, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. First of all, we begin by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by glorifying and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this unique opportunity to congregate in His house, to worship Him, to glorify Him, to send salutations upon His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallama. And we pray that Allah Azza wa Jal will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future. Now, Alhamdulillah, each and every individual, each and every Muslim has an attachment to his or her religion. Naturally, that attachment extends to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And our attachment to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is such that we firmly, wholeheartedly believe in not only the Prophet ﷺ being the greatest creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we believe him to be the most perfect and most beautiful creation of Allah Azza wa Jal. So naturally, when we find people pointing fingers at our Prophet ﷺ, uh, discouraging Muslims from following the Prophet ﷺ, making slanderous remarks about our Prophet ﷺ, each and every Muslim, irrespective of how good a Muslim you are, irrespective of how many prayers you pray, how many salawat upon the Prophet that you send, each and every Muslim feels aggrieved. Don't we? Naturally, because that's a natural instinct of a Muslim. It's, it's ingrained within us. That we love the Prophet ﷺ more than we love everybody else. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ told us to. Allah Azza wa Jal tells us in the Quran that we must love Allah and His Messenger more than anybody else. He tells us if you're not prepared, if you're not prepared to love Allah and His Messenger ﷺ more than anybody else, more than the houses in which you take great delight, more than the wealth that you've accumulated over your your time upon this earth. If you don't love Allah and His Messenger more than you love everything else, then فَتَرَبَّسُوا حَتَّى يَأْتِيَ اللَّهُ بِعَمْرِهِ Then, then, uh, then prepare yourselves for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has in store for you. That's a warning, a stark warning to us that we must put him in the highest esteem. The highest regard should be reserved for the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. Nowadays, we live in an environment where it's, it's become uh, the norm to criticize religion. It's become the norm not only to criticize but to belittle religion as a whole. Religion as a concept has, has become uh, somewhat uh, uh, strained in that sense. That people are constantly labeling those individuals who follow a religion as ignorant and a backward, having a backward mentality, 
And naturally this affects Muslims because Muslims are seen as being the most religious people on the planet. Due to the fact that they have this connection with their religion. Even though they may not practice it in the best way, the way that they're supposed to, they still have that connection and that attachment there. So naturally we're the ones who have to face the brunt of, of all of those accusations by everybody else. And just recently in the last week or so, this, this uh, drawing or depiction of cartoons that has become an issue once again with in Netherlands where they have tried to, uh, to, to do that again by drawing cartoons and depict, depicting the Prophet wasallam in a negative light. And the Muslims all over the world naturally are affected by this. They're all aggrieved by this. Each and every individual is feeling aggrieved, is feeling saddened, is feeling lost by that which is taking place. And I've, many individuals have, have passed on to me, you know, the petitions to sign and, and things to do. And, and you know what, subhanAllah, people are doing their, their, what they're supposed to be doing, you know, the best of what they could do by doing that, by signing these petitions, by petitioning their, their MPs to, to stop this from happening, to in, by informing them that the Prophet ﷺ is near and dear to us and depicting him in such a way is, uh, is, is grievous to all Muslims. It affects each and every one of us. Right? It affects our mental state, our emotional state. And that's not something that we're willing to do or willing to allow. So that's all great and I respect that. But that only goes a certain way, doesn't it? That only goes to a certain point. We need to look within ourselves. What I feel is when we find people depicting the Prophet sallallahu in a negative, negative light, negative light, the best way to counter that is to depict the Prophet sallallahu in the positive light that he was. To show that the Prophet sallallahu was a perfect being. The best way to counter hate is with love. The best way to counter that type of hate is by showing people how much we love the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. There's nothing better than that. There's no way that, you know, we can, we can get around that. So it's incredibly important, first and foremost, that when we claim to love the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and we see these, these depictions of the Prophet alayhi salatu wasallam, and, and, and we're aggrieved, when people draw the Prophet ﷺ in a negative light, then we need to ensure in our own minds, we need to understand that we need to teach our children the, divine, the, the prophetic beauty of the Prophet ﷺ. That's the best way to counter it. Now I, I came across many individuals who were so aggrieved by this. These individuals, they were absolutely... Uh, you know, they, they, were, they were right on the edge. They were, they were saying, you know, we're willing to protect the honor of the Prophet sallallahu I said, you know what, subhanAllah, Allah bless you, but nobody does that better than Allah. Allah protects the honor of the Prophet sallallahu The Prophet protects his own honor. For us, protecting the honor of the Prophet sallallahu means that we need to ensure that we love him, we follow him, that becomes a necessity within our lives. And then we teach ourselves and our children the prophetic beauty. You know, so many books, 
so many books have been written about the beauty of the Prophet <coughs> The physical appearance of the Prophet has been recorded by so many of the companions. Do you know why? The most narrations are, are mentioned about the Prophet and his physical appearance by the companions. And they weren't told to talk about the beauty. Nobody said to them, oh go. The Prophet didn't say, but make sure you tell the people what I look like. Make sure that the people who come after you, they have a mental image of me. Nobody said that to them. Nobody encouraged them to do that. They did it themselves. You know why? Because when they looked to the Prophet wasallam and they saw the, the blessed face of the Prophet wasallam, they realized that there was no one more beautiful than him. There was no one more handsome than him. There was no one who was more perfectly brought together than the Prophet wasallam, And they had to... The only way that they could express that is by telling those who came after them, look, you, didn't, you don't understand. You don't realize how perfect the, the, the Prophet ﷺ was, how beautiful the Prophet ﷺ was, how much beauty he had been blessed with. There were companions of the Prophet ﷺ who stated that nothing makes me more happy in my life than just seeing the, the face of the Prophet ﷺ. He brought about a calmness and a sense of serenity to the people who just merely looked upon his face. There were uh, uh, those individuals who didn't believe in the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Those individuals who rejected the message of the Prophet Alaihi Salatu Wasallam. And like these individuals today who depict the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in a negative light, they were from among them. Those individuals who hated the Prophet, who wanted to kill the Prophet. Some of them came to kill the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with the intention to cause the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the Muslims harm. And yet having looked at the Prophet blessed face, all of that anger, all of that hatred, it went away. And it was replaced by, by this intense love that this, this, this cannot be the face of a liar. You found the, 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 the kuffar in, in Medina when the Prophet in, arrived in Medina and there were, there were individuals who hadn't yet seen the Prophet, but had, had heard about him and his message, and they didn't want to accept him. And immediately they began to say things about him. Immediately they began to call him, you know, uh, a liar, or they began to, uh, to, to uh, uh, put so many accusations upon the Prophet, But yet all it took from them was to just see the Prophet once. And that, that beautiful sight was enough for them to get rid of all their anger and all of their hatred. And it was replaced by this love for the Prophet ﷺ, which then enabled them to, to open their hearts up to follow the message of the Prophet ﷺ and become Muslims. It was, it was revolutionary. That's what it was. The Prophet ﷺ's, his, his prophetic beauty was enough to melt the hearts of the people. That's why the Tabi'een would say that the Sahaba would tell us that the, the beauty of the, the Prophet ﷺ would, would smile and our hearts would melt. The Prophet ﷺ would smile and it would take away all of our worries and everything, all of our reservations that we might have had, everything would go away because we were just focusing on the beautiful face of the Prophet. And it was enough for us 
that he was among us. This beautiful being was among us. Imagine that. Imagine having that much beauty and that much power within your beauty. That a person who may have, who may be depressed about something, who may be feeling aggrieved about something, all it took from them was what? Just to see the blessed face of the Prophet and to see him smile and all of their worries will go away. What did Sayyidina Abu Bakr say? Sayyidina Abu Bakr was a companion who all of these scholars of hadith attest to the fact and all of the, the historians, the mufassirin also, that there was no one who was more closer than the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam than Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu ta'ala. That's who Abu Bakr was, the closest companion to the Prophet. The second of the two in the cave as he's mentioned in the Quran. His, his companionship with the Prophet is the only companionship that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has confirmed in the Quran itself. When he said to his sahib, when he said to his companion, لا تحزن إن الله معنا Do not be aggrieved for indeed Allah is with us. No other companion has been gifted companionship by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or no other companion of the Prophet has had that honor of being called a companion of the Prophet in the Quran other than Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq. And he was a companion who was a companion through and through. You know, if the Prophet epitomized what it meant to be a prophet, a leader, a messenger, a guide, then Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq epitomized what it meant to be loyal, serving, and a friend. He spent his entire lifetime with the Prophet even from a young age. He was only about three, two and a half to three years younger than the Prophet So they were of the same age. And he spent his entire lifetime with the Prophet. He had the honor of migrating with the Prophet wasallam. the only being, the only individual who had that honor. He fought alongside the Prophet wasallam in every single battle. His every waking moment was spent with the Prophet wasallam. So much so, that sometimes at night, and the historians mention this, the muhaddithin mention this, that Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala an, he would... He would wake up in the middle of the night with a cold sweat. Right? Like when you'd wake up in the middle of the night and you're feeling ill and you're feeling sick. He would wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. Worried. Anxious. And his wife would say, what's wrong? Oh, Abu Bakr. And he would say, look, I don't know, but I, I just need to see the Prophet ﷺ. I need to see his blessed face. And his wife would say, you know, well, you were just with him after the Isha prayer. You just left him. And in a short while, you'll see him for Fajr once again. You know, it's not that long of a period for you to be separated. So you'll see him again. So rest assured, the Prophet will be there when you go to the masjid for Fajr. And he will say, no, 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 I need to see him now. I need to see the Prophet ﷺ now. And he would just leave his house. He would just leave and he would walk to the masjid and he would walk outside of the masjid and inside the masjid you had the, 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 the rooms where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa his honorable wives would reside and he would just you know to and fro he would just walk outside and sometimes the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa would come out and he would see the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa 
and he will see the blessed face of the Prophet all calamities go away by just one sight of your blessed face everything and then he would be rested he, he would rest assured I've seen the Prophet his heart would be content and then the Prophet would go back into his own house and he would go back home he was that individual who who in Mecca, when the, when the companions of the Prophet were being tortured and they were being dragged away from, from following the Prophet and back towards what they used to follow before those false gods and worshipping of those 360 idols in and around the Kaaba. And people were, trying, people were being tortured and by any means necessary, it was important for those mushrikeen in Mecca to, to pull them away from it. Whatever they had to do, they had to get them away from following the Prophet. If that meant killing them, maiming them, that's what they would do. Abu Bakr was one of the first khatibs of Islam. He was one of the first individuals who stood up and he gave a khutbah. He stood up in the Kaaba. He was the first individual who proclaimed the message of the Prophet ﷺ. And when he did so, among his companions, not the Prophet himself, among his companions he was the first. And when he did so, he was pounced upon. He was pounced upon by, by, by the enemies. And they beat him. They beat him senseless. His family report that they beat him to such an extent that he went into a coma. Which he, didn't, which he wasn't waking up from. And his family were worried. And his family said that if... If Abu Bakr and his tribe said if Abu Bakr was to die, if Abu Bakr perishes due to this beating that he took, then they would exact revenge on those individuals who, who, uh, who tortured him and who beat him. Blood would be paid by blood. Naturally, they were, you know, Abu Bakr was important to them. He was a leading member of their tribe. So they made those, those remarks. And... After a, a period of time, some report that it was days, others report that it was, uh, it was a long duration of time, Abu Bakr finally awoke. And when he finally awoke, and he had his family members around him, his wife, his, 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 his mother, his, his, all of his, all of his uh, uh, close family members, his relatives were, were standing around him. Naturally, of course, you can imagine how happy they were that Abu Bakr is finally awake. And when he finally woke up, he didn't ask them, what's wrong? I'm hungry. Can I have some food? I'm in pain. Nothing. The first question from his lips, the first statement was, how is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam? How is the Prophet I need to see the... And when he was informed that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi is okay, you rest Worry about yourself now. Don't worry about the Prophet. He's okay. He said, no. I need to see the Prophet. I have to see him. And his companions, his, his, his relatives, his family members says, Oh, Bakr, you know, you've been, you've been through a lot. You've been tortured. You've been beaten, beaten senseless. You need to rest. No, I need to see the face of the Prophet. And eventually they, they, they had to succumb to his demands. And they took him to the Prophet And when he saw the Prophet blessed face, and he saw that the Prophet was, was healthy, uh, uh, that put his heart to ease. 
said, all calamities, all, everything goes away. All pain goes away. He didn't feel any pain. For him, it would be painful. That's why the companions would say, there was a companion in, 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 in Mecca during the time of the embargo between Mecca and Medina that people weren't allowed, those after the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, those who, who came from, uh, from uh, Medina to, to Mecca, they weren't to be returned. But those who went from Mecca to Medina, they had to be returned. So the, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was unfair towards the Muslims. And yet, the Prophet ﷺ told the companions, this is a great victory for us. And the Quran testified to that also. There was an individual who went to, 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 uh, uh, to, to Mecca and he was strung up and he was tortured. And just, just before he's about to be killed, Abu Sufyan, he turns to him and he says to him that, don't you, don't you wish that today, instead of, of you being here today, and, you know, in, in your place, that the Prophet ﷺ, Muhammad was here in your place today and you were enjoying life with your family, you were with your children and your wife. And he smiled at them as if to say, what do you understand about our connection with the Prophet? As if to say, what do you know about our love for the Prophet sallallahu He said, I wouldn't trade places with the Prophet sallallahu even if it meant that a thorn would prick his blessed feet. I wouldn't even allow that to happen. I'd gladly give my life before allowing that to happen. That's how much they love the Prophet sallallahu Now there's, there's countless stories, countless stories you'll find. Of the connection that the, the companions of the Prophet had with the Prophet And how by one sight of his blessed face, it was enough for them to get rid of all of the anger and the frustration and everything that, might have, that, that, that they might have gathered throughout their lives. So now, this is something that we need to learn from. When we find people attacking or depicting the Prophet in a negative light, how do we respond? Do we respond by anger and burning effigies? Which is a custom in our countries. Burn a few effigies. Make a few slogans. Break a few things. And that's it. How does that help the message of the Prophet ﷺ, I ask? How does that further the message of the Prophet ﷺ, I ask? Does that encourage people to follow the messenger, the, the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, or do, will that discourage them? They will say, look. From a personal perspective, if I was in that position where I was seeing people doing this, I would look and say, these, these people are madmen. What's wrong with them? And this is something that we need to understand also. I understand that emotions are high. Naturally, when somebody depicts the Prophet ﷺ or negatively uh, verbalizes something or says something about the Prophet sallallahu is that is negative. It affects us negatively. No doubt about that. As it should. It should hurt us. We should feel aggrieved. But we shouldn't react in a way that is contrary to the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu We shouldn't react that way. The Prophet sallallahu he didn't you know, fight fire with fire at each and every moment. There were times when the Prophet ﷺ would fight fire with water. He would fight fire with life, with love. That's what he would do. That's how he would encourage those around him. And think of the message that that would, that, that that would send. 
You know, every time I feel like there was, there was a, there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, there's a Quran burning, uh, uh, you know, in some church in America or in, or in any other place, or you know, uh, uh, talking or uh, uh, an event, speaking out against Muslims and their Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I think we should counter with with something that we can learn from. We should counter with events to learn about the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We should counter by teaching our children. You know, forget, don't look at those, those depictions of the Prophet. This is why the companions of the Prophet ﷺ so vividly expressed how the Prophet ﷺ looked. They would talk about his blessed ears, his blessed lips, his teeth, his nose, his eyes, everything. Every physical uh, part of the Prophet ﷺ had been expressed by the companions. This is how he looked. Why? Because they wanted us in our minds to have some sort of a mental image of the Prophet ﷺ. I ask you, how many of us, let alone our children who are here today, how many of us have that mental image of the Prophet ﷺ? How many of us have uh, read those descriptions of the Prophet ﷺ? How many of us have opened the Shama'il of Imam Tirmidhi to read about the blessed description of the Prophet, the blessed physical appearance of the Prophet ﷺ? How many of us? Not very few, I would expect. How many of us know what he looked like? Know how his eyes were? How his blessed lips were? That, that space between his blessed teeth? That, that the companions would say that, that it was like sh- brightness, like light shone through that space in between the blessed teeth of the Prophet How many of us know that? We don't. Then how can we expect our children to feel the same way about the Prophet how can we expect them to learn and, and to love the Prophet ﷺ when they don't even know what he looked like? We don't need images. We don't need pictures in HD resolution to know what the Prophet ﷺ looked like. No, we don't. We have it written down in the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ. So many descriptions, I can go through all of them and we still won't have, we can continue from now up until next Jummah and it still won't be enough time to talk about the beauty of the Prophet ﷺ. It's our job. It's our responsibility. It is our duty to learn. It is our duty to know what he looked like. It is our duty to know how beautiful the Prophet ﷺ was. And yes, it's taken second hand from the companions. But all of them were unanimous. The wives of the Prophet ﷺ, said Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. When people asked her about the beauty of the Prophet ﷺ, said there was no one who was more beautiful, there was no one who was more handsome than him. No one. You see in the Quran, Allah talks about Zulaikha in Egypt and the women of Egypt cutting off their hands was witnessing by was being enamored by the beauty of Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam she said if the women of Egypt had seen the Prophet sallallahu alayhi they would have cut off their heads this is how beautiful the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam was you see these are things that we must know we have to understand learn about the beauty of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi his physical appearance how he was broad shouldered 
How the Prophet you know, we talk about um, innovations of our time. You know, the biggest innovation I feel is that protruding stomach that we have. The Prophet was extremely healthy. The Prophet companions would state that he didn't have a stomach that would protrude or go out beyond his chest. His waistline was thin. He ensured that he ate healthy. His food, his meals were healthy. Nobody, even today, you know, we're, people are talking about, oh, we need to eat this type of food and this type of organic food and this type of healthy food. 1400 years ago, examine, analyze the diet of the Prophet ﷺ, and then I challenge you to tell me one thing that the Prophet ﷺ ever ate or ever placed into his blessed mouth that was unhealthy for him. That today it would be regarded as unhealthy. 1400 years later, when we know so much about our diet and our food. Nothing. See, this is why we need to maintain that link. We need to maintain that connection with the Prophet ﷺ. Why it's so important that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran on so many different occasions that if you really love Allah, He said, Kul in kuntum Allah. Say to them, O Messenger, if you really, truly love Allah as you claim to do so, and we all do, then follow me. The Prophet is commanded to say to them, if you really love Allah, then follow me. And then what will you get as a reward for that? You know, whatever comes after that, the, the, the Mufassirin referred to as the thamra, the, the fruit. As in, if you say to your child that if you come into the masjid for, uh, for Jum'ah and you sit here for half an hour and you listen to, to Imam Sab's talk, and you stay quiet, and you don't mess around, then what's the thamra, what's the reward that you're going to get? The reward is that when you go home, or when we're going home, we'll take you to the ice cream shop, or we'll take you to, to, to the nearest restaurant to get you some food, or if they're feeling a bit too generous, we'll get you a new iPhone or an iPad or something like that. I don't know. I'm putting ideas into your head now. That's the thamra, that's the fruit, that's the reward. Allah tells us of the reward in this, in this ayah. That if you love Allah and you follow the Prophet you love Allah, you follow the Prophet. You love Allah, you follow the Prophet Then what's the reward? Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will then love you. And He will forgive for you your sins. That's how simple it is. Love Allah, follow the Prophet. If you do so, Allah loves you. And when He loves you, He's going to forgive for you your sins. And that's something that we need to understand and that's something that we need to ingrain within our own lives and, and the lives of our children. And, and, and that's why in, in, in this khutbah, I'm encouraging you, forget about the stories and forget about the news that you hear of what's going on around the world. Think about you and your families. Think about the, the things that you can control. Right? Teach your children about the, the life of the Prophet If you don't have a book of Shama'il, a book of the description of the Prophet ﷺ in your house, then your house is devoid of, of, of that blessed appearance. Right? You need to have that there. And then open those books and read them as a bednight story, uh, you know, a bedtime story to your children at night. Talk about the Prophet ﷺ. Inspire them to follow his, his blessed examples because there was no one who was more inspirational than him. No one. 
Not, you know, these Disney characters that we read about. No one was more inspirational than the Prophet ﷺ. And no, nothing can benefit them more. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me a new tawfiq and the ability to act upon the teachings of the Quran, the blessed sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Wa akhirul ta'amana. Alhamdulillah.